Welcome to the Broadcasters Roundtable here on Flyers Radio 24-7. These are a lot more fun to do when they're winning, aren't they? Flyers had that 10-game point streak recently, bounced back the following night after it finally ended against Pittsburgh, and uh, all is right with the world, maybe? Uh, at least they're headed in that direction. The trading deadline's coming up. It's going to be an interesting few weeks here. With our latest uh, Broadcaster Roundtable, Tim Saunders with Steve Coates. Jim Jackson and Chris Terrian. Guys, uh, points in 10 in a row. I learned more about the game after the Pittsburgh loss than I did in the Pittsburgh loss. You agree? And how did you, or what did you learn before we continue on? That this one game at a time approach is the only way that they can do it. And they showed some real resolve in bouncing back, even with the travel difficulties and all the adversity that they faced in that game, to show that you know they didn't fold the ta- tents and that they could still compete with everybody. Absolutely agree. I think that that goes down as uh, like just an unbelievable evening where you just totally dominate the opponent. And you just get stoned by the ref. I mean, did I say that? <laughs> Freudian I did. Slip. That's a Freudian slip. But listen, I just want to tell you, everybody. Night after night, Steve. <laughs> yeah. That this broadcast is brought to you by Kyle Raymond. Uh, <laughs> and anyone else. <laughs> uh, but so you, you get stoned by the goaltender. You have a bad call by the referee. Uh, it, it's happened. It's going to happen again. But the bottom line is, going back to what you said, is that that hockey club, that the club that we saw October, November, December is not the hockey club that we saw the other night. That was one heck of an effort, and they deserve better. For sure. Yeah, no, and I don't think there's any any question that uh, that was a frustrating game when what you guys said is, is pertinent to what we're talking about here, where this team is headed. They bounced back. Uh, not only bounced back, they were down 3-1 and got another bad call and uh, still able to respond and get that win in Minnesota. So that, that, that showed a lot. Uh, where they go from here, though, as, as you look at the standings, I mean, they're not making up any ground anymore. I mean, they made up ground for a while, but now Columbus is back winning. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to fall apart. Uh, I, I still think Montreal might be the, the target at some point because I just don't believe in that team. But bottom line is it's tough. you you, you got to jump over three or four teams. Carolina's playing well. So playoffs still, to me, a real long shot. But I think it's important for this team to finish the, team, the season strong anyhow. Uh, and, and give Chuck Fletcher, you know, some options as he moves into the offseason. I agree with Jimmy. The problem is, is that you saw with Pittsburgh, and it will happen again. You can play a great game this time of the year and still lose, right. yeah. and there's nothing you can do about that to manufacture win after win after win because you're going to lose games by accident no matter what. And the Pittsburgh game was a perfect example of it. So that's where I'm looking at it, where you're eight points behind the eight seed right now. They've done an unbelievable job to even make this interesting because when you're 15 points out mentally, you can check right out, and they've not done that. So to their credit, and they've showed a lot of metal, a lot of determination. I love how the young guys have come along in the process. But to me, I'm with Jimmy on this. I think it's going to be a a heck of a hill to climb only because you can't win every single game, even when you play your best game. You know what? Even with losing the Pittsburgh game, and as disappointing as that was, I was as encouraged by the fact that they outplayed the Penguins badly for long stretches of that game. Carter Hart was human, and that shows that, you know, the importance of Carter Hart and just how good he's been. If he plays in that game like he had in most of the last games during his stretch, they probably win that game. It, and I, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, he's been the catalyst. He's been the guy that I think has given this team their legs, their confidence, their belief. And they've had that. They just needed something to get sprung off. It's like getting an airplane off the ground. And I think he helped them get that airplane off the ground. 
and now they've found their, their wings, and they're playing much, much better because of that. You know, I call it uh, the way that this team was affected in the first three months, like I was talking about, I call it here-we-go-again hockey, where every night it was the same thing. And you know the number, what, 20 sometimes? It went down two goals. 20, 21 now. 21. Here we go again. Here we go again. It looked like that with the Anaheim Ducks the other night, where you try to go out and you try to score that first goal, try to feel good about yourself, and bang, it's in the net. And bang, it's in the net. You hang your head, and here we go again. But this is a result, like you just mentioned. Carter Hart has made everybody feel better, or given the opportunity. You know, you can just go and stop all the pucks you want every night, and you still might not win. But this team has picked up on that, understood that they they are a pretty good hockey club at times, and just go out and play the game, and it's been great. You think the Penguins were thinking to themselves, we're going to be seeing this guy for the next 10 years or more? Yeah, I think so. Crosby figured out a way to score on him and just have him not see the puck at all on the other <laughs> side of the net. But, I mean... Uh, yeah, he's yeah. I, I don't. There's nothing really about Carter Hart that leads me to believe that this is a fluke. <laughs> I, I mean, he's so solid. Agreed. Yeah. On and off the ice. I, I mean, I watch him after losses in terms of how he handles the, the media scrum. I mean, you think he's been around for ten years, and obviously you watch him on the ice. He's composed, uh, calming influence, which this team badly needed. When when they and they still, even with Carter in that, uh, even during the the winning streak, they get these stages where they're running around a bit in their own zone, and he's always just there, calm, cool, and collected. So just exactly what this team needed. Uh, but I don't want to make it sound like it's all Carter Hart because like Ivan Provorov's back. We're finding, you know, Ivan Provorov looks like the Provorov we saw last year as opposed to the first half of this season. Sean Couturier has been a monster, I think, here of late. Uh, Drew's had a good season all year. Jake Voracek's play has, has gone up a complete level, in my opinion. So a lot of guys. Is it, isn't that the lesson, though? I mean, you're right. A bunch of other things have now changed or turned, and this team is playing better in a lot of different areas. But it all starts with goaltending. Yeah, it started yeah, Carter yeah, Hart sure. this year is a Great reminder of that. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's been kind of whispered down the lane. I mean, guys recognize that that has been the, a sheer shift. Nothing against anybody else. We had injured goaltenders most of the year uh, going through a myriad of, of players to try to find some stability in that spot. It hasn't happened until this kid came along. And I think the one thing, you know, would uh, just listen to Jimmy, too. There's going to be nights where it's not perfect for him. I mean, he's a 20-year-old. Yeah. you got to remember that. Pittsburgh struck, was an example. It, it, right, and, and Carolina. But there's only two games. And even Pittsburgh, I mean, he still made some pretty key stops even to give the team a chance. But I think that's part of the development of a young guy. I mean, he had tough numbers even beginning of the year in the minors, and he worked his way through that. But I, I, I just don't – I'm with you, Jimmy. I don't think this is a fluke at all. He's just a, such a mature young guy and handles himself so well on and off the ice. That, that That's where it leaves me the hope to see that he's going to have a great future. And it's absolute proof that anything – well, everything happens for a reason. Now think about this. If we hadn't had all the goaltending injuries, if we had had really good goaltending for the people that came in to fill in for the injured players, he would never have had an opportunity. Never. If this hockey club had not thrown a shoe, we would not have seen Carter Hart at this time. Carter Hart would still be in the minors. So not only do you have the opportunity to see him, to make him or give him the opportunity, he's a home run. It's unbelievable how we actually, the Flyers backed into this situation, but who cares? It's all behind us. Yeah, well, you yeah. say back. They did draft him, They, you know, and well, all backed that. Backed into the ability to be able to get yeah, him to play right yeah, now. Yeah, for year, sure, because yeah. they ran out of goalies. You're right. Yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure even if Ron Hextel was still a GM, he wouldn't have been here because they ran out of goalies at that point. Right. They, they really were. But let me ask you, the, the, what, what kid at 19, I guess he was, when this happened, sees a kid wearing his jersey, number 79, 
and sticks with that number because that kid, autistic kid who goes to the games out in Everett. I mean, that this this is a special the, kid. The maturity too. level yeah. and oh, the just, just to have that thought up, uh, occur to him that he wanted to stick with seventy nine because that kid had seventy nine. And that's uh, mature beyond his years. Having with the game, right? Saturday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just... You know what else, guys? Do I, I? He did something for us last summer for one of our podcasts, and he'd been in the hotel. I said, "Come on over. I'll get your home cooked meal one night." And he was so up for that. It was supposed to be last night. He texts me. He says, "You know what? I, I have to go to the trainer's uh, funeral a couple hours away." Right. He said, "I think it's the right thing to do." I said, "It's absolutely the right thing to do." That's a twenty-year-old saying that. That's unbelievable. That's so impressive. Yeah. All right, so there are, uh, are other individuals that we're going to talk about that have elevated, but the Pittsburgh game especially showed me from a, not a systems uh, perspective, but what really stood out to me in the Penguin game at home was how the Flyers are attacking now with speed out of their own zone, spending less time in their own zone, and defensively, that transition, that quicker transition, I think makes them way more dangerous than they used to be. Well, anytime you have an opportunity to have your defense, and Bundy will be able to tell you this because he was good at it, that first pass coming out, getting your people moving. It's nothing more frustrating than being bottled up in your own zone, not being able to get it out, or having a defenseman that can't get it out, or a system that just isn't working. Because then you get the players, the forwards are all upset at you because they get mad at the defense because they can't get it out. So it becomes a, a, a just a big frustrating situation. All of a sudden when you take it, and there isn't really, for the six guys back on our blue line, I think every one of them moved the puck very well as far as having the opportunity. So that way you get your people moving out of your zone. Times have changed now with that red line being out where you got a, people drifting all over the place and things of that nature. But certainly when you have, and I'm not sure that this is coming from a, a difference in the coach or it's a difference in the fact that this hockey club is just be feeling better about itself and having a more confident situation. But it's certainly a big part of the success of this hockey club right now. And there are a lot of guys doing it. Provorov, Sanheim are, are starting plays with their legs. Uh, Shane Gossespierre's name keeps coming up that I hear with the deadline just a couple of weeks away. He has that ability, and I don't think you can undervalue the ability to, to break a play out of your own zone with the special skill set that he does have. Well, that's what the NHL is about right now. I mean, that's why you see so much, uh, so many smallish defensemen. I mean, Chris, in your day, you didn't see many small defensemen, a couple here and there. Right now, almost every team has those guys who oh, it's absolutely. all about puck movement. Like Eric Virgin the other night. Eric yeah. DeJardin was like a small defenseman at six yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. You know, six foot and a half or right. whatever. So yeah, I know what yeah. you're saying. It's all about as, puck movement. And now. as it relates to Ghost, Bunny, I mean, because you play the position, yeah. you know, is he having the kind of year that they expected? Absolutely no. not. But because of that unique skill set, boy, you got to think twice before I, you. I still have hopes for Ghost that he can be a Duncan Keith type of defender. Uh, not no one that's going to run anybody through the boards, but has a tremendous stick, is is diligent uh, in in his checking and re puck retrieval and moving the puck out. Of course, Ghost is a great first passer. So is Duncan Keith. Um, that yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, one thing when you talk about the zone and guys getting pucks out, Jimmy and and Timmy and Coatsy, the um, I, one thing I've seen with that and made it easier, I think more five guys have come down below the tops of the circles, and that's allowed for quicker short mm -hmm. puck support, and that's what's made a big difference. So kudos to Scott Gordon. He's talked about implementing changes. He's clogged up the neutral zone with the one three one or one two two kind of abbreviated. Yeah. No one wants to call it that anymore. They change right. it to the one three one right from the one two two, but uh, that's a noticeable difference I've seen, especially for the defensemen getting pucks out of their zone. The five guys down low. That's a good get on your part because. <clears throat> 
when you get so far, we talk about it all the time where the gap gets so big and the poor defenseman's standing with the puck at the zone goal line, looks up, and the, the winger's looking for the puck at the far blue line. That It doesn't work for me, but some teams get away with it. But the bottom line, it's a real good get where you get back, you start swinging, your center swings to be able to pick up the puck, and as a result, you're seeing a lot more three-on-twos with this hockey club. You're seeing that line rush, which is prototypical, the way the game's supposed to play it, instead of going down two-on-two and two-on-one, all these different uh, ways of getting into the uh, through the neutral zone. You talk about Ghost, uh, and his name is coming up. One of the reasons to me is because he has value. Right. And this is a guy that if you look at just this season, you're going to say, well, okay, yeah, he's a guy we want to move. But if you think back to last season, you think back to his rookie season, he's one of the more elite offensive defensemen in the NHL. So uh, if you are going to move him, you you better get a lot back because he could be a guy next year who's racking up 60, 70 points. With a cap-friendly hit, you know, as well. With right now, yeah, that's yeah, right. His deals, is, yeah. for especially the way things are going with these salaries, his deal is good. All right, so when we did our last roundtable, what was it, three weeks ago? Somewhere, Somewhere in there. Somewhere yeah. We were talking about if we had to name the Barry Ashby Award winner, it might be Radko Gudis because he's had that kind of year. And he has not come off at all. He's, he's continued to play that well. But, Jimmy, I think you said that he said that's with one caveat, that Provorov doesn't get rolling. And I think we're seeing that he has. He, he has. I, I just look at it as a whole body of work. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And I can't forget the first yeah. 40 games. It's yeah. not going to be an games. automatic no. decision anymore. Though, I'm with you. It? Right now, Radko Gudis. Yeah, and I'm staying I'm with you. But if Provy ends up finishing the year the way he has played the last then 10 games, tight. well, you really got to think about yeah, that. Yeah, but hold on for a second. How are you going to award the Barry Ashby Award winner? I, I, I agree with it. The guy's a hell of a defenseman. But right now he's minus 16. Yeah. Yep. Minus 16. I mean, he that, played that's like 30 minutes the other I night. I know that. I know that. Yeah, but still. I mean, if, he, if he plays the way he has the last couple of weeks throughout the rest of this year and this team gets in the playoffs, he's going to be a major reason why. Radko's more of a complimentary well, player. It, I'm just saying it'll be a tough decision. I'm not saying I give it to Provorov. No, yep, I understand. It, it's more about the full season. And Radko, as you said, Timmy, has not fallen off. Right. Yeah. Now, if he falls off, then it really. You know, it's going to be really neat is because we always. I've been very honest about because it, it was so obvious about who the well up until last year about who's going to be the best defenseman and we take our ballot we just sit down and say yeah, yeah what did you put down this year we'll all be hiding yes and not telling anybody how we're going to vote yeah and, you know the, the Bobby Clark was geez easily in the first half yeah. right uh, you know Couturier is pretty tough to, to yeah. look at. he had a tough couple first weeks but since then he's been great yeah and if Carter Hart leads them into the playoffs I mean, <laughs> well he could sweep everything could, yeah. yeah James Van Reems likes for two weeks man was easily the winner of it too <laughs> yeah so pilot up the goals. I mean it, you know it, it, when you look at the whole body work yeah right now to me it's Gudis and Giroux but though that could change over the last 20 do you remember years. the first personnel change I think this is true that Scott Gordon made when he got here was to put Provorov and Sanheim together. Didn't he do that I, I the think, first game? I think Hack had done that. Had I, he? I think, I think there were a couple games uh, look back on that West Coast trip. I'm pretty sure. Kudos to Gordon staying with that. You know what? I love really the way Scott handled it. He kept everything the way it was for a couple games. Then he started making moves. But, you know, you asked the question on our last roundtable. Oh, you know, we're going to get to it. Okay. I'll let you <laughs> get to it then. <laughs> you're talking about Gordon. Yeah. I mean, Wait, you're, every time they won, I'm thinking – Saunders, I was going back to what you said and going, yeah, no, those numbers are getting there now, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it, certainly we're going to Go get ahead there because yeah. <laughs> we asked it. Where, is this where we say you're right? No, no, I think. No, no, just keep me informed. I think JJ has, uh, has covered that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he modest? <laughs> uh, uh, all right. A few, a few weeks ago, it was kind of silly to assume that 
that, that we are ready for that conversation because Scott Gordon is the interim head coach here. What has to happen for him to really be given uh, the likelihood of getting that job full-time? Because well, I, I, Yeah, I, I don't – just to be fair, I don't think Chuck Fletcher and his crew are going to hinge that on whether Scott Gordon's team makes the playoffs. Right. That, that should have no bearing. I think they're going to look at. You don't it think the, that has any bearing? No, I don't because well, I think they're going to look I think at the Chris, it has bearing if they make it. Oh, if they make it, I think it's I, no, absolutely. But yeah. I'm saying if they don't make, that, right. sorry, but sorry, yeah. that's actually well put, Jimmy. If they don't make it, I don't think it's going to immediately write him off. I don't right. think it does at all. I still right. think that if team, if the team is progressing, has a great record from the time they got it, that would tell a story in itself. So that's where I think that his future, Scott Gordon, lies. I think he's done a great job. In that time that you brought that up three weeks ago, I mentioned the fact that I thought he would go or have to go a step above what would be expected in a normal situation to be able to create his ability to be able to stay here. But when you take a look at the other thing, is and that is how the team is playing. Right. And right now, if this was like talking about status quo through the full six months of the season, this is a playoff team and a really good team in the Eastern Conference. Now, taking all that into consideration right now, I'd say, man, this guy, he's done something. He's done something. This team is playing with confidence, a team that's resilient. And, oh, yeah, the goaltenders had a lot to do with it, but they've played well in front of them, and they're entertaining. And I think that's half the battle. Yeah, so, that's yeah. the most important thing is do these guys want to play with it? That's have right. they shown that so, they want to play with them? In and other words, the, the whole atmosphere, the personality, both on and off the ice of this team, right now would play into the fact that Scott Gordon's done a good job. And Chuck's around the team. He watches the interaction. He'll have exit meetings with players. He'll ask them about it. What I've heard, you guys may know, you may have talked to other players, uh, he, he's not a guy, Scott Gordon, who sugarcoats things to these players. He, he gets the message across to them. Uh, some players who don't maybe like that much direction might say it's too much. Others who really want and crave that direction think it's great. Bottom line is you know where you stand with this guy. And he tells you what you have to do and go out and do it. Uh, he had a meeting with James Van Riemsdyk that basically turned JVR's season around. I mean, he's done that with some other players, yeah. too. Yeah, one thing, uh, one, one player, I won't mention any names, I said, how do you, how you enjoy the new coach? And his answer to me was, he tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do. And that's kind of today's yeah. world with, with the, the youth today. You give them direction. You give them a roadmap. This is where I want you to start. This is where I want you to go. And they love that and they appreciate that. That brings to mind the story he told, and it, it, it was out there, I think, in some media outlets. But for the fans who didn't hear this story, and granted his situation is a little different, but uh, Vorobiev coming in, limited ability to understand the language or communicate. That's gotten way better, by the way. But the first time he went into a meeting with Scott Gordon, he said he asked a question through the interpreter, and it was kind of a yes or no answer that should take three seconds. And the answer, Vorobiev, through the interpreter, took three minutes. And Scott's thinking, what the hell is he saying? Because this wasn't a three-minute answer. And, and the end, end result was he was telling the interpreter, in fact, Scott asked the interpreter, what was that about? And he said, he's not used to having a conversation, a dialogue with the coach. Coming from where he came from, it was, this is what we expect you to do, and this is what you have to do. And there's no debate. And to have a coach engage him in a dialogue, explains what he wants him to do, and ask him questions, Vorobiev was completely uncomfortable with that because he'd never experienced anything like that. Yeah, that's don't, his style. Yeah, don't think for a minute that it doesn't help for all these younger players that are playing right now. It actually works both ways. 
for Scott Gordon to come in and coach people that he's already coached True. in Lehigh, huge. But for the players that played for him in Lehigh, and all of a sudden you see them playing better here, that means that they're comfortable and understanding with what Scott Gordon does and obviously like what he brings. All right, let's talk about some of the individuals who have uh, enjoyed playing for Scott Gordon. Uh, we already talked a little bit about Ivan Provorov. Uh, the difference in Ivan Provorov is stark the last month or so. Yeah, it's either Scott Gordon or Turks and Caicos, right? Well, he's moved. one of the something turned him around. You but. know, you know what's funny, and and, you, and I look at defensemen in the league. I look back at the guys I played against, players now. To me, Ivan Provorov is always a better player when he's moving his feet. Yeah. If he doesn't move his feet, he is as average as they come. What's noticeable the last eight games or so, he has got his feet moving. He's going back hard for pucks. He's going joining the rush, being uh, a catalyst to come from behind the play, even leading it sometimes. But he's moving his feet, and he looks excited to be part of the there, team. There was a scout in the NHL, and I won't use names, and I think we may have referenced this in our last roundtable, who said he doesn't look like he wants the puck enough. And he recently acknowledged to Gordon that, yeah, I'm feeling good, I want the puck. And Gordon pointed out the reason you want the puck is because you're now getting to the places where you can do something with it. You're getting to the right spots. Yeah, no doubt. And that that's, comes with moving his legs as, as uh, yeah. Bundy talked about so uh, yeah he looks like he did last year and maybe even a, a tad better, better. Scott Gordon's going to use him <laughs> he's shown that so you know 30 minutes in a regulation game so uh, he's going to get a lot of ice time and Brovi's told me many times he wouldn't mind playing 40 45 minutes in a game he loves ice time so now in the long term you know if you're making a run to the playoffs if you're playing 30 minutes a game maybe he wears down but it, and for a game or two he loves it I think he, you'll see if you go back and see the games he played the most in probably were his better games. Travis Sanheim has that ability to jump into the play, to create with his legs. Does he do it less because he's playing with Proby? No, I don't want I want him to play. I want him to be Travis Sanheim. I mean, what he did the other night in Minnesota was absolutely spectacular. He looked like a right winger. He actually looked like a, a bigger version of Voracek cutting in off the wing. I mean, think about that. I mean, one of the writers compared him to Bobby Orr. That that maybe got a little I know bit. in Coatsy's world that no. does not happen. No, you can't. Bobby Nobody. Orr. Compared well, he also Bobby compared Orr. you to Don Cherry. So. <laughs> Bob Clark referred to me as Bobby Orr once in a sentence. He said, "Guy's not Bobby Orr." <laughs> <laughs> See, it depends how you use it. Yes, and no yes. offense to the writer because it is that's a nice compliment for. I, I, the only reason I ask it that way is what he did in Minnesota the other night. It, it occurred to me at the time. Boy, we haven't seen that as much lately, and I, I hope they are encouraging him to continue to play that way, even though he's got to be mindful because you can't have two guys going all the time. You've got to have one guy mindful. That's a step forward for Travis doing that, and, I, and I'll, you know, I, again, I'll just lay a parallel. When I played with Desjardins, I didn't do as much of that. I let Eric handle more of the offense. I was that backbone stability guy to hang back and play D. It's nice as long as they're able to develop that chemistry that one guy knows the other guy's up exactly. and cannot have two up. That's no. where problems lead, and I think they've, they've done a pretty good job of that, but that's recognition immediately. If Travis sees Ivan heading up, I'm going to hang back. Vice versa, it works the same thing in reverse as well for him. you got to let a guy skate like that up the ice. Absolutely. That's one of those, what is wrong with this picture? I'm standing at the circle to the left of the goalie, and my defense partner is standing right beside me in the offensive zone wrong <laughs> and yeah. that's why you've got to be able to learn and read and that's what's great about Sanheim right now is that he's learned now how to play with 
Provorov, and at the same time, he's developed the confidence that has been given to him by the coach, giving him more ice time, saying, hey, just play the game. You're good at what you do. We, yeah, if, just do it. I'll say this to you guys. Obviously, Tim, you talked to the scouts. Uh, you've referenced it a couple times here. I do, too. And I will tell you that he gets – I get asked about him as much as any player on this team. They, they come in, and they're not aware of how good he is and can be. And there's clearly interest in him, and I don't think the Flyers are interested in dealing him. I, I think people think he has another level that he's going to get to. Right. Uh, you know, this is going to be interesting to see how they handle this. With Provorov, Sanheim, Gostisbehere now, Phil Myers is, is here. These are guys who all can move the puck. They're all guys who need ice time. They don't want to play 15 to 17 minutes a game. They need a lot of ice time. And how you manage it, and can they all do it? Probably not. Let's switch gears. During our broadcast on the radio side, Coatsy and I have often talked about who we think is the most improved player from last year. In our mind, Scott Lawton certainly is the first name that comes to mind. But in season, since this season started, has anybody improved more the last few weeks than Nolan Patrick? No, I was gonna, before I even said it, I was going to say Nolan Patrick. Yeah, just Provy, we already talked about right. him, but Yeah, uh, You know, Nolan, this happened last year as well. Uh, he had a poor start. Uh, he didn't look engaged. Uh, and then he flipped the switch, second part of the season. It's all, so that right now has become a trend because it's happened two years in a row, but he's a different player. The key is to continue to see him develop and to come out of, if there's a shell, to come out of that shell and to continue feeling more comfortable. But I think the difference, and tell me if I'm wrong, because you guys see it more overhead sometimes, he looks more engaged physically in corners. Yes. And I think that's been a, and going into those hard areas, the dark areas where it's, it's a lot, where you're going to get hit, where you're going to be exposed, I think he's done a much better job of that. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think you're absolutely right. And on top of that, there's one other element that's very important in studying a player and how well they're playing, especially a centerman. You talk about all the ingredients of, of going to the dirty areas and going to the net and all the things that are involved with offense. Watch him defensively. I mean, he does a great job of coming down below the circles, adding to that defensive situation where you need three-on-three, three, but also when he does get stuck there, he does a great job and ends up with the puck. He did that the other night in Minnesota. It was unbelievable. He went back. He took the guy off the, 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 the puck, and then on top of that, brought it on himself. Yeah. Those are the yeah. things that you don't see from a lot of centermen. We're starting to get, uh, if I'm reading body language, it's like, okay, guys, you can wrap this up any time. So uh, in the interest of time. Once Josephville arrives, it's yeah, time we, well, he starts lingering. Well, nice I never to see the executive producer come <laughs> in here. You, you know what? It occurs to me, though, that it's been fun to watch this team now finally start headed in the right direction. And we've talked about a lot of people as responsible or partly responsible for this turnaround. We haven't talked about Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Sean Couturier. Those guys are the guys that are supposed to lead this team. Suddenly, the depth of this hockey club, they've got some help, and that's the exciting part to me. Uh, it is, and also, to me, the biggest disappointment through all of the turmoil of the first half, first a uh, little more than half of the season, was that the young players had not taken a step forward, and some, in fact, had regressed. Uh, to me, that was the biggest disappointment. You could talk about the goaltending, all this and that, but to me, this season was about, we knew, I, I think we were pretty confident, Giroux, Voracek, you know, you're going to have good years, maybe not as good as last year's in terms of some of them, but still good years, but would the Patricks, would the Provorov, Sanheims, I can go right, connect, right down the list, would they take a, a step forward? And during this run, I mean, we've talked about, we haven't even mentioned Oscar Lindblom. I mean, he's, right. he's been a huge yeah. part of this. These young guys have just taken that step, beginning to take that next step. This is a really good team if, if you get those young players contributing. And lastly, just for me, guys, 
What's one name we have not mentioned in this broadcast's roundtable today that I think we'll probably be discussing one way or another in about two weeks? Uh, Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Number 17. Never mentioned his name. That will be – I don't want to get into it because I know we're getting <laughs> – We're out of time. We did, that's we're probably the hottest topic too. But what uh, – from your standpoint, guys, what do you, what do you think here? Uh, uh, how's this handled? You're right, because by the time we do another roundtable, the deadline will have passed, yep. and I think it's almost inevitable that yep. they have to move them because I don't think they're going to sign them long term. That being said, I've never respected a member of the Philadelphia Flyers more than I respect Wayne Simmons. Yeah, in answer to your question, it's very simple because we could talk about it forever because yep. that's how good this guy's been for the Philadelphia Flyers. But he is absolutely the number one guy in this hockey club that represents that logo that's on his chest. And that is he is a true Philadelphia Agreed. Flyer. And Agreed. he did it despite the fact that I, I know, for, we all know there's some upset that he didn't get the contract, right? But on the ice, I see no sign of that. He's always there for his teammates. Agree with you, Timmy. I mean, he represents the logo uh, as well as anybody has. And, and I think they have to move him. Yeah. It's not impossible he comes back as a free agent, unlikely. But I think you almost have to because there's demand for him. I, every time you look at a national show, you hear his name mentioned. And just and lastly, I, again, I look at Brian Boyle, second round pick. That tells a pretty good story. That's a good number. That's a real good number to set early. And by the way, to talk about the big guys, Drew and Vorchek and Katuri, good players have to be your good players. Great players have to be your great players. And that's why you got the turnaround, too, because they are now back where they're supposed to be. But great teams have to have supporting cast. Yeah. And the oh, Flyers, yeah. well, I think, have developed that. No you, question. You, you become too. a follower. All right. With our latest broadcasters roundtable, for Steve Coates, Jim Jackson, Chris Terry, and I'm Tim Saunders. The preceding program is an original production of Flyers Radio 24-7. You can find this and other programs available on demand at FlyersRadio247.com.